0: Welcome
1: to Right on Hollywood with Christian Toto, part of the Just the News Podcast Network. Sick of media bias infecting film reviews? Furious that too many stars insult your views? Right on Hollywood has your back. Christian is an award-winning journalist, movie critic, and founder of Hollywoodintoto.com, the right take on entertainment. Now here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to Right on Hollywood, a proud member of the Just the News Podcast Network. This week's show is brought to you by Disney actively dismantling its family-friendly brand since 2022. Well, I think we're going to be talking about the recent Oscars ceremony for a bit longer than usual. Yes, the actual show was another clunker, full of tepid jokes, groaner speeches, and virtue signaling gone wild. More of the same. Yeah. But there's still plenty to take away from the night, starting with, of course, the slap scene around the world. You know, powerful men can get away with almost anything in Hollywood. Just ask Harvey Weinstein. Or better yet, maybe send him a letter. Prisoners love getting mail. But Will Smith pa- smacked a comic presenter, and he'll likely face no industry punishment. That's Hollywood 101. But there's more here. The Oscar producers promised a shorter show. We're gonna cut things down. We're gonna we're gonna shame some of the crafts people by showing their awards in an edited fashion. We've got all these tricks. We're gonna make it shorter, and they lied. But it's what they do every year. And, and you know, listen. No award show should be three and a half hours long. None. It's also pretty clear that Ricky Gervais will never, ever, ever host the Oscars if the attendees would rush the stage to assault him. Now, I want to bring up a tweet from the great Andrew Clavin. He wrote this just after the Oscar meltdown. This is the generation that made the movies culturally irrelevant for one simple reason. They have no class. Now, I never doubt Andrew Clavin. I often agree with Andrew Clavin, but that really registered. Now, I don't mind adult humor. I mean, I listened to Howard Stern for like 20 plus years when I grew up in New York. And I'm not going to get in a soapbox about that. And I, I love horror movie excess. I never clutch my pearls over that. Just bring it on. But the Oscars should be a classy production. Instead, we had Aquaman burping as part of his ode to sound design. We had a huge movie star rush the stage to slap a comic for telling what he thought was the wrong joke. And, of course, his co-host, Regina Hall, who's copping a feel on not one, but two Hollywood heartthrobs. She practically gave them a cavity search. All to be funny. Classless. Of course, it's also classless to turn every third speech into a political screed. But that's what Hollywood is today. And, you know, there's a time and a place for just about everything— So why can't Hollywood get its act together on the biggest night of its year? Leave it to one of the few remaining movie stars and one of the people who truly has class to get the tone just right. I guess it's ironic that Kevin Costner is crushing it right now on the small screen, thanks to, of course, Yellowstone. But he's still a movie star first and foremost, a big talent, a big director. I've actually interviewed him twice, probably my favorite celebrity interview, a smart, interesting, engaged dude. Now, his speech on Oscar night was to announce the best director. It was personal, it was moving, it was everything that an Oscar speech should be dignified, heartfelt, powerful.
2: And what I witnessed that afternoon in the Cinerama Dome was perfect. The curtain, when we still had them, opened to a film almost four
0: hours long. It had an intermission where the score continued, subtly signaling at one point that the second half was about to start. I don't know where everyone went, but I wasn't going to move an inch. I decided that I would not give
2: up my magic seat. I was determined that I would not miss a minute. And as I sat in that dark that afternoon 60 years ago, All I really knew was that
0: I was in careful hands.
1: And most of all, it was a tribute to why we love movies in the first place. Isn't that why we watch the Oscars year in or year out? Or at least why we used to watch it year in and year out? John Nolte of Breitbart News fame is quick to point out that the golden age of Hollywood had plenty of troublemakers. It was lots of chaos behind the scenes, lots of very bad behavior. There's no denying that. But the stars had studios to protect their image and hide all that behavior and only show them at their very best. It was pure imagination, to quote a certain chocolatier. It still cast a spell on us. It still mattered. Today, with slapping stars and comics trotting out really stale talking points aimed at half the country, I'll take a little bit of that hocus-pocus of what we're left with right now.
2: You're listening to my dad's podcast. He cried like a baby watching Snoopy come home.
0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: This week's Toto's Take is Baby Mama. This 2008 comedy came from the pre-woke era, and that matters since it stars Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, two pretty woke actresses these days. The SNL stars have great chemistry, they've always had it, but here it's serving a smart and funny story not an agenda-driven romp. Phew. Just imagine how this duo would reimagine their baby in the modern era. Ugh! Now, in the movie, Fey's corporate character wants to have a baby, but there's no man in her life. Plus, she's got a medical situation where having a baby may be impossible. So she hires a surrogate played by Polar to do all the heavy lifting. Except this mama isn't as refined as Faye's character. And of course, wacky hijinks ensue. Now, Baby Mama isn't top-tier comedy material for sure. It's not like The Hangover or Wedding Crashers, but it's witty. It's sometimes wise about parenthood and and motherhood. And it plays off the cultural chasm between the leads. That's the best part. You also got a cameo from Steve Martin, and that's never a bad thing. And a, a bit of a tweak to the urban elites. Now, lately, when I really need a laugh, I don't watch modern stuff. I go back in time, just a little bit, maybe at least 10 years, because those movies didn't have lectures. It was just laughs, the way things used to be and ought to be. Now, Baby Mom was just added to Hulu, and I recommend you bounce it on your knee until it gives out a long, good, hearty burp. You ever wish you grew up in a different era? For me, I'm just fascinated by the 60s. That music, that culture, the revolution, the change, the excitement. Can you imagine turning on the radio and hearing the announcer say, here's the latest from Simon and Garfunkel? Or you just turn on the TV and watch a, an episode of Star Trek that you haven't seen a dozen times? That'd be amazing. But I'd miss the modern era. I'd love the fact that technology can make new stars today possible. People who may not have gotten a chance to shine back in the old Hollywood. Like Zia Anderson. She's a saucy sidekick to Chip Chipperson on the greatest podcast around. If you haven't heard that show from the mind of Jim Norton, you are missing out. Zia also delivers the funny on her Twitch account, and she stars in other shows like It's Eric Nagel and her newest podcast called Unqualified Experts. I love that title. Now, Zia shares how she crafted her career on her terms, from co-storing on After Buzz TV to making sure her first appearance on the Chip Chipperson podcast wasn't her last. I love that story. Here's my chat with the proudly self-made Zia Anderson. Zia, growing up, I'm going to guess you didn't see yourself as a multimedia personality. I don't think they had that gig, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But now, of course, you can become just that, which you've done. Did you have any more traditional career goals in mind when you were growing up? And and how did that sort of evolve?
2: Uh, Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, definitely not something I thought about, especially coming from Hawaii. It's such a different life there. And I grew up before... I mean, I remember when we got, but I grew up before internet was super widely used and on the Island, there are still places where you can't even get internet. Mm. So that wasn't, it wasn't like I was looking at what was happening and being like, it's just the regular TV that you get there. So yeah, not at all what I was thinking of, uh, but I did want to be a journalist. That was Mm. kind of my, the first thing that I wanted to do. So I guess I'm kind of close to
1: that. Oh yeah. Kissing cousin for sure.
2: Yeah. Cousin, a cousin. Uh, Yeah. So I did want to go to school for journalism. And then I think at one point I also wanted to be a nurse and my aunt, who was a nurse for 30 years, talked me out of that real quick. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, you don't trust me. You do not want to do it. I was like, okay, I believe you.
1: Gotcha. Now, given your upbringing, you were in Hawaii uh, for much of your formative years. Do you think in, in an odd way that that upbringing, even though it doesn't seem like a natural I guess trajectory towards where you are now. Did it help you in a way? Did it ground you? Is there are there things about your roots that actually really do come in handy now?
2: I think it makes me a real weirdo, which I kind of <laughs> think is a good thing. Uh-huh. It's it, it there's a lot of good stories from it.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
2: definitely drawbacks, of course, because you know, I missed out on kind of a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I think it's just it's such a different upbringing that people kind of enjoy hearing stories about it. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times I'll be on a podcast and they're like, "Wait, wait, wait, tell me about this." And what did you say? Like by the time I was 7, I could go into the ocean at night with a three-prong and a flashlight and spear a fish and then I could clean it and scale it and gut it and all that good stuff. So that's, you know, not a lot of kids can say they could do that. So that's it's so it's just kind of fun for conversation and it definitely made me a real weirdo, which I think is good.
1: And did you have any trepidation about bringing those kind of bits and memories to the fore, or you know? Because I think when you open yourself up as a media personality, it, it can be an odd transition. You share, maybe you overshare sometimes. I think I do that. Is, has I that been sort of all the time? <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Was that something that you just did right away? Did you have to? Did you have to lean into that that kind of communication? How did that transpire?
2: That probably happened because when I first, as you know, we have a we have a Christian in in common mm-hmm. not not just this christian we have another christian in common uh, i started doing anything at after buzz so i originally got into it wanting to do like entertainment hosting
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that sort of changed a little bit it's weird how you get into things and you're like okay i like this but maybe i want to try this and i guess that's all part of it but i started it after buzz and so mostly we just discussed whatever we were watching so for i mean christian i it was a lot of marvel stuff that's pretty much how we bonded we ended up on marvel shows together so it was talking about that kind of stuff so we're talking about movies and i'd go on red carpets and we get to interview people and go to comic-con and that sort of stuff so the topic of conversation was really about me (laughs) i wasn't really the one that i wasn't really selling myself i was just talking about whatever show or movie um and it was i think when i started streaming on twitch and doing more podcasts that that changed Mm because then you're talking about, you're trying to talk about interesting things and interesting things about yourself. And when you meet a new person, they want to know about you. And so it just started sort of, uh, comes up. So at first I wasn't doing it at all. And then when I started doing it, I guess I just went in with the mindset of Mm -hmm. it because I never really held back on anything, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. I definitely overshare a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I, maybe something will come back and bite me in the ass. I don't know. We'll see. Gotcha.
1: and by the way, that Christian is Christian Blatt, who is the former sidekick mm-hmm. of Dennis Miller, and he's got the Blattcast. Yes, yes. I'm actually going to be on there shortly to do a uh, an Oscar roundup. It's one of my, it's one of my yearly nice. traditions that I, I dread because I have to watch the show, but I enjoy talking to Christian so much, so that's that's kind of a, a good thing. Uh,
2: Christian is the best. At one point, <laughs> we were doing Marvel TV Weekly, Marvel Movie News, and Marvel News Daily together, and then on top of that, I would be on his podcast a lot, the Blattcast, cast, mm-hmm. because I was already at Actor Buzz and he's like, hey, do you want to just hang out? You're Huh. here so i'm like yeah of course and then we were doing we did marvels we did daredevil together we did jessica jones after show together we there, we did oh my god i spent so much time with christian i love him
1: well um, he, think, he thinks the world of you as well uh you aw. know one of the things i, I wasn't aware of i know you're on the chip chipperson show a uh, podcast mm-hmm. podcast i gotta get that right
2: podcast yep. <laughs> is
1: that you kind of pursued <laughs> that show a little bit I, I you know what tell us a little bit about how that you got into that ecosystem because it's so unique it's so fun and if you haven't heard this podcast, it's it's not for everyone because the language can be a little raw, but it is so funny, so <laughs> unique, and such a, a free-for-all. Maybe like a little bit like the old Howard Stern back in the day, but you, you definitely made this happen. You definitely kind of pursued it a little bit more than traditionally, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're so successful. Just can maybe give us a tease of that story.
2: The first time that I was on was kind of by accident. And then from there, I definitely was like, hey, uh, so <laughs> I, I love Chip Tripperson so much. I was a huge fan of that. I watched every episode from the beginning of of the podcast. And that was a character that was it's funny that you you know talk about it being kind of like Stern It was a character that was born on Opie and Anthony, which mm-hmm. different different show than Howard Stern, but same sort of thing, I sure. guess. Um, Jim and Sam were doing their show out in LA. I can't even remember why they were in LA. They're friends with Kevin and Maria, who own and operate After Buzz. That's Maria Menunos. She is the huge media personality. Uh, she was the, I think, E, right? Oh, I believe
1: so. I believe this. so. Yeah. I'm pretty
2: sure it was E. Mm-hmm. I get some of those entertainment ones. Mixed up. But anyway, <laughs> she she was the host for E. And then her and her husband did After Buzz to give back to the community. It's basically a free school that you can go to. It's a school where you don't have to pay for it. And you get lots of real uh, exposure. I mean, yeah, real time exposure. Mm. You get stuff for your real blah, blah. blah. I'm going off top. I was there doing an after show. I don't even remember which, which one. And they were at After Buzz recording Chip Chipperson. So it was Jim Norton, uh, Sam Roberts. There was another girl there, and I can't remember her name. And they wanted to have two girls from After Buzz on the show. And these were kind of more like reality girls. They, weren't re- they did a lot of reality TV. They weren't really like com- comedy fans, maybe different kinds. They didn't know who Chip was. They didn't know who Jim was. <laughs> they didn't know any of that. So that, oh my God, it was so great. I just happened to be there and Phil Spitek is uh, he worked it after, but I think he like helped start it with them. He was there and he's like, Oh, you're a fan of chip. Aren't you? I don't even know how he knew that. I guess I talked about it at some point. He's like, do you want to be on the show? Yes, absolutely. I do. He's like, you know, you know the drill, right? You just have to pretend like you don't really know who he is. So you go in there (laughs) and I was like, yep, cool. I got it. (laughs) So, and I, so I wasn't supposed to be on that one. The girls were so salty at me because they, which Jim made a hilarious point when I was on Jim and Sam the other day. Uh, he goes, "What they didn't have Google," and I was like, "Yes." So they're sitting in the room asking me what it is, and I won't tell them because I don't want to ruin the whole bit. That was really fun. And then he retired Chip. The pandemic is what brought Chip back. Because one good
1: thing about the pandemic, <laughs> obviously, I
2: know we got Chip back. We got the
1: one. Uh,
2: <laughs> and we saw that Chip was back and I was like, holy shit. And he's doing it through zoom, obviously, cause it's the pandemic. Obviously he's stuck at home. People don't have a lot to do. So yeah, it was great. So I just emailed him. And a lot of this is my husband, uh, Nick, who was pips on run and fez for anyone who's familiar with that world. He was a producer there. I think he definitely pushes me a lot because I can be very timid mm-hmm. and, and definitely I'm like, oh, I don't want to, but he's like, you need to get over that.
1: <laughs> well, that's a great so tip. I'm- My wife actually provides that service for me. I, I, I tend good. to be tentative. I don't lean into things that I should and She always says, you know, you, you got to, if you're not going to pad yourself on the back, no one else will. So good, mm-hmm. good for your yeah. husband for kind of nudging you forward because that is important.
2: Yeah, he's really, really good at that. And your wife is absolutely right, too. No one else is going to do it for you. you got to mm-hmm. do it yourself. So he very much pushes me to reach out to people. And I still do it. People reach out to me to be on podcasts, and it's being awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also continue to reach out to see what else is out there. You never know. Yeah. But anyway, so he was like, just email, Jim. His email is public. He has a public email. And so I emailed him, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was on Chip when you guys were out in L.A. If you'd have me back on his guest, that'd be awesome. I'd love to be on. I really love Chip, blah, blah, blah and Jim is honestly such a great guy. I Mm -hmm. love Jim. He emailed me back and he's like, yeah, of course I remember you. I'd love to have you on, but he's also super busy and a little bit forgetful. So I hadn't heard from him for a couple of weeks. And so I reached out, I think two or three, three times, maybe total before I was finally on. (laughs) (laughs) So I really did just go for, I was really just like it. And I guess it's, it gives as an anxious, kind of person it definitely gives you anxiety but at the end of the day and nick always says this he's like what's the worst that's gonna happen they're yeah. gonna say no then you're not in any worse of a position than you were before
1: such a simple lesson but it really needs to be said yeah. and reset and reset now take us behind yeah. the scenes of the show it, it's such a uh, a whirlwind you really need to kind of be on your toes which you obviously are yeah. what else can you share about maybe what people wouldn't realize about the show or what you've learned along the way
2: Ooh. Okay. So here's what I help book the show and I don't really read comments, but Nick does for some reason. I don't know why. And most people are very positive and very nice, but you get a lot of people that are just, ah, and you're like, all right, mm. calm down. One, one guy like absolutely hates me. It's so funny. He comments on almost every show, how much he doesn't like me <laughs> and like, I'm like in an obsessive way. I'm like, Holy shit, dude, you need to calm down. Mm. Um, he got really upset because we don't have the some of the same guests on all like he wants very specific guests he wants Mm -hmm. bob kelly and he wants rich boss and i get i love bob kelly i get it he's probably one of my favorite comedians of all time and he's the best on chip i love when he's on but what a lot of people don't realize is that these people have lives and job and they can't be on every week and they can't drive into the city every time and we have to switch people around so he's like you need to get rid of the co-host because you know she's obviously not booking people well i'm like i don't and people will constantly will email me and ask or message me and be like hey you need to get this person on and you need to get this person on i can't get anyone on i can i can bring people up but ultimately i have to get everything approved for jim i'm not just booking people and i'm like here you go um So that yeah, Jim Jim decides who's on the show always. (laughs) That's not like a power that I have, and I don't know why people think I do. Now Um,
1: you mentioned something that I I was wanted to ask you at some point is, given the work that you do, you're out there, you have your all your opinions. You've got to have a thick skin to be in your seat right now. It just has to happen. And you just laughed off this one guy who's <laughs> stalking him. He's probably a fan, but just sort of puts it in a very bizarre way. Does it take Maybe. a while to, to get that thick skin? Like, how do you <laughs> develop that? Because it's it's clearly essential for the work you do. I think it's essential for everyone these days. If we're going to be on social media, yeah. we're going to get nasty comments. But any oh, sort of advice yeah. along those lines of how you process that in a more healthy way than rather than kind of getting bogged down by it?
2: Um, there are definitely days and times where I do get bogged down by it. I can't like live it it's some days there are some people will hit you right in an insecurity and you're just like, Oh God, that hurt. Uh, but I think, but mostly I try to think about it in terms of these people aren't real. And they like, they are obviously real people on the other end of the phone, but they're not real in my life. They don't mm-hmm. affect anything that I'm doing. They also don't know me. This is a really interesting thing that I find people think they know you from the bits and pieces that you put out there, out there, or that they've heard. And so they make really weird assumptions. There are a lot of strange assumptions. Like one guy assumed that my husband was really jealous of me or really jealous of the attention that I got, which is I have the least jealous husband in the world. It's hilarious. It annoys me sometimes when like, you know, you could care a little bit, <laughs> but like he's just very secure in our marriage and, and, and that's good. It's not a bad thing. So he's not jealous at all, but people make the wildest assumptions. One guy I remember was like, She's definitely a fake nerd I'm
1: like, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> like there's just a lot of weird shit that so you have to realize people don't know you at all they just see what they see online and it's entertainment for them so mm-hmm. they love talking about it and you're just gonna get caught in the crosshairs of it so it's yeah just, and it's hard it sometimes can be hard not to take it personal but at the end of the day it doesn't really affect me at all and yeah. i mute a lot of people if someone says something i'm like ah mute and then they can talk and think i see it and i don't see it it's great
1: you know it's funny when i grew up in the 80s the uh revenge the nerds was the big comedy and just being a nerd was really being picked on being looked at askance it was not a cultural position of power by any stretch no now you're a a self-described nerd and we're sort of living in the nerd era you know comic-con rules it were you have you always sort of had nerd leanings and did you did you kind of go through that evolution where you were kind of looked upon a certain way and all of a sudden hey She's the she's the cool chick who knows all about the Marvel movies. That that's a that's a plus, not a negative.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent went there. I remember when I first applied it after buzz. I was like, it's so weird that all the stuff I get got made fun of for <laughs> as a kid is now like an asset. It is so strange. Yes, I was always insanely nerdy. I was a really quiet kid who read a lot. That was pretty much all I did. It became so much a part of me as a person or my personality, I guess. I don't know where I would see people years later and they'd be like, hey, do you still read a lot? (laughs) I got in trouble in math class for reading under the table. And I loved in particular fantasy. So it was anything fantasy. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about it recently with a friend. My first crush was not on an actor. It was on a character. I don't really care that much about Orlando Bloom, but the Legolas character when that movie came out, I was like, (laughs) and that was that was my first crush. Um, that I can like really remember, but yes, I read a lot and I got made fun of a lot and I read a lot of fantasy and I was a weirdo that sat there with my friend and we'd mix up potions and it was not cool. And I got made fun of a lot. And then as I, it wasn't really until I was an adult and Marvel movies got big and started becoming a thing Mm -hmm. and people and comic-con got big and started becoming a thing that it became, I guess, like a cool thing, but Yeah. People a lot of the times think, I I don't really get the whole faking being a nerd thing. Why would you fake liking something you don't like? I don't understand that mindset. It's a
1: weird charge. I I also like to hear your teacher saying, Zia, stop reading in class right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I got in so much trouble. I'd be in math class and I was reading under the table. I got my books taken away all the time. Oh, I, and I, not surprisingly, I failed math in high school. Oh, God. I'm oh, so bad at math.
1: Obviously, you, you're able to kind of navigate the pop culture landscape these days. You're enmeshed in it. Do you see mm-hmm. something either bubbling up that's coming soon or even just things in these zeitgeist that we're not talking enough about? Just, I, I just think you have a kind of unique perspective on things. You might be noticing things that are not getting enough attention or that maybe will be getting plenty of attention in six months.
2: Good question. You know what? I think that... Um, shadow and bone is a freaking underrated show on netflix and i feel like it wasn't really talked about that much i think it's getting a second season i'm really excited about it it's Mm -hmm. based on a book series that i haven't even read but i'm going to now but i kind of want to watch the show before i read it because you always get sad when you read something first and they do the show it's hard i know wheel of time was one of those that people were really pissed about and i watched that whole series and it was "Mm." um but yeah a lot of people aren't talking about shadow and bone i think it's great show i feel like it's really really underrated um but gosh things that that should be big i'll tell you i get—I guess i get excited about different stuff maybe i'm more excited about blade than most of the other things that are coming out
1: in marvel okay because
2: well, i grew up around that time
1: sure you know the work you do I think to the casual observer is going to seem easy. Oh, you just hang out and laugh along with Chipper. You know, okay. you're talking about pop culture. You're you're answering questions for podcasts and different radio shows. And it's never as easy as it looks. I When I go into like a local radio station and I watch the anchors do their thing, I'm thinking – oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's the hardest job in the world. But what's hard about the work you do? What is something that maybe people who enjoy your commentary wouldn't realize sort of the blood, sweat, and tears aspect of what you do?
2: I actually think that it's mostly the time that you put into it. And when you're doing it by yourself, when you're doing things on YouTube, when you're doing... Uh, when you're doing other people's podcasts it's a little bit different, but you do still have to prep for that, like you kind of have to get ready and it takes your time up. And if you have to go into the city for me, that's Mm -hmm. just for me, uh, then you have to commute and all that stuff. So that takes up time, but it's mostly the time it takes and learning new things. Like I learned, I taught myself how to video edit just with YouTube videos. And that is time consuming mm-hmm. so like doing one thing that eventually you can do in 30 seconds when you're learning it takes you like an hour like oh, i gotta mm-hmm. get through this i figure out how to do this um and then also marketing yourself that's another thing every social media is everything i'm still nowhere uh, obviously nowhere near where i'd like to be there but you have to constantly be present and on it kind of constantly be available to people which can sometimes get a little exhausting too
1: yeah i can imagine that and, you know you strike me as as what I've become later in life is that you're an entrepreneur, that you've basically crafted a career based on your passions, your interests, the things that you're good at, uh, your personality, obviously. Do you have advice for other people who are doing something similar or want to do something? not maybe not necessarily be what you are, but have a gig that is that is not defined, that is not easy, but really fits into all the things you care about. what, what what's what are some of the maybe the secret sauce behind your success?
2: Well you're gonna be broke a lot. So, like, get ready for that. <laughs> people it's and it, whenever people judge the OnlyFans thing, I'm like, all right, you wanna be broke and, and wait tables. I did mm. that for years. No, thank you. And it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. But I think, yeah, you just have to put a lot of a lot of time and energy into it. And it's gonna suck for a while and it's gonna feel like no one's watching for a while. But you have to get through that because that's kind of how everybody starts. No one's like an instant overnight success. And when you think someone is, you don't realize the years and years and years of work that they put in before they became successful. Um, sometimes people become an overnight success. Don't get me wrong. That does happen, but it's pretty rare. So yeah, I think just putting the time and the energy in, and then also networking is one of the hugest things you can do. I was just talking about this recently. If you don't know people, you're not going to get stuff. Like it's, it's really rare that you, that people find you and just reach out especially when you're first starting out you got to talk to people and you got to make friends in the industry and that's kind of how you they're like oh i had so and so on my podcast she's a great guest oh i saw her on that podcast now i'd like to ask her to be on this podcast and that's kind of how i think pretty much anything works
1: mm-hmm.
2: even regular jobs yeah
1: see before i let you go the work you do kind of exists outside of traditional hollywood you're not on saturday night live you're not on right. a tv show you're kind of working within you know whether it's a, the different podcasts you do, the YouTube, uh, everything you do is sort of a part. It's different. It's digital. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, I think you have much more freedom than a traditional personality or, or broadcaster would have, just give, based on what you see across the culture. What are your thoughts about cancel culture and this attempt to kind of rein in creativity, expression, maybe challenging thoughts. I mean, this is certainly, I think it's something that you have less of an issue with because of the work you do, but it's certainly out there. Mm-hmm. Certainly you bump, bump into comedians who are struggling with this. Any sort of either observations of where we are as a culture or sense that thing, the, the dam is breaking, maybe, maybe freedom will make a comeback. Any, any thoughts that way?
2: Oh, God, everybody says that. They're like, it's going to swing back the other way. And I've heard plenty of people say, no, it absolutely isn't. I don't know whether it's going to swing back or not. I know that it's weird that we obsess so much over what someone said. We it's it's very strange and we don't do it to Jim has made this point. We don't do it to actors. We don't give actors shit for like playing a racist role or we do if they take a role that maybe they're not suited for whatever Mm -hmm. people get really pissed if it's like a white person and a role that's. I don't, Asian, um, which like Scarlett annoys Johansson. Me too. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: like Scarlett Johansson. And then caught heat for uh, was it Ghost in the Shell from a couple years ago?
2: Yeah, exactly. Scarlett Johansson caught mm-hmm. heat for Ghost in the Shell, which that one was is a weird one. I think Ghost in the Shell. It's she's the original character was an Asian girl, but she was put into like a sleeve body kind of that was I guess in the manga created by a European company, so it's like not insane that they would look like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway the what was that one the the movie this one this one pissed me off i i don't like it when they do it anyway it was they cast a bunch of white people in uh, avatar the last airbender the one that m night shamalan did it was really it just the movie itself was horrible especially if you like the the anime or the cartoon anyway they they casted that horribly mm-hmm. But yeah, Cancel a it's a very weird thing. People get in trouble for just trying to make a joke. Maybe the joke didn't land. And they're like, oh, how could you? And I think that that really does hurt comedy because you can make anything funny. And you, especially a lot of the really masterful comedians, they do it in this way that's really thought-provoking and you think about it and you're like, oh my God, now I'm, they, sometimes you look at something and you're like, well, I felt this way about it. Now I actually kind of feel this way about it. And At the end of the day, if it's funny, it's funny. I don't think that there's anything that's off limits in in that world. And I think it's strange that people are trying to tell someone what they can and can't say. And I get the whole argument of people being like, oh, freedom of speech just means that you can't get in jail for it. Not that you won't have consequences. But where do the consequences end? Someone's not allowed to have a career or do anything with their lives if they said something that maybe they don't even agree with it anymore. People also also aren't allowed to change their minds. If they say something 10 years ago, it comes back out and they're like, well, I don't really feel that way anymore. It's like, but you said it. And everybody calls for them to be taken off the show that they're on, whatever the thing. It's very bizarre. I don't really see it swinging back the other way, Um, but it is unfortunate because I think that it does with creative expression. And there's a really easy thing that you can do if you don't like something that someone says, you don't have to listen or watch them.
1: Yeah, there's only about a million different options for everyone available right now. There's if they don't so like X, you got you... Y and Z and a whole bunch of other letters you can just throw at them. And exactly. I, I, real quickly, you know, I think that one of the things that's struck me that wasn't the recent Dave Chappelle special, but the last one, I remember he was specifically going into tough conversations. And I remember as a viewer mm-hmm. thinking, I disagree. I'm not sure. I don't know why he said that, but he's such yeah. a genius that he was really challenging me and and making me mm-hmm. confront where I stood on certain issues again, and making it funny and making it thought provoking. I'm like, my God, we 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 really want to we want to get rid of that. That's a terrible idea. And uh, well, and then this
2: is where people. Sorry, I oh God, I sh- I've got to be careful. I will rant too much on this. This is where also <laughs> people. I feel like it gets it turns into a really slippery slope, and and people call for, you know, well, you shouldn't be able to say this because it's hate speech and you don't give those people a platform, but where does it end? That's where it gets scary because at some point there's going to be a line that can't be, that can't be crossed, but they're going to cross it anyway. And then it turns into, well, we're controlling anything that gets put out there. And that just sounds like a very scary place to live. If you have an opinion that differs and it could be a perfectly reasonable opinion, but if it differs from what, a majority of people think or whatever is happening and you get completely shut down in silence. I also think that's really dangerous. I don't know why we wanna give anyone that much power.
1: Yeah, and by the way, it's not often the majority. It's often a very, very vocal minority Minority. that are making the rules that we all have to abide by. But uh, anyway, we'll see what the work you do just basically pushes back against that challenges that and makes us all laugh so I appreciate Aww. you joining us right on Hollywood you can watch Gia's colorful twitch account for fitness tips gaming goodies and so much more and of course she's always by Chip Tipperson's side on the best podcast around plus you can <laughs> hear her on It's Eric Nagel the radio show and now a new Unqualified Experts podcast so you are busy keep it up and uh, keep speaking your mind because we appreciate it
2: thank you thank you so much for having me this was really fun you're an awesome interviewer
0: Oh, thanks
1: Thank you, thank you for listening to Right on Hollywood, part of the Just the News podcasting family. I confess my life has been on the wrong side of crazy lately. There's just so much chaos going on. We're having a home renovation project. I've had some uh, other stuff happening. It's just always crazy. And it's been so much fun to see that this show's download numbers are spiking. Last month was the best we've had so far. Amazing. I love to keep that momentum going, guys and gals. So if you can share an episode with your friends or just go to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating, I would really appreciate it. Let's keep this going. Now, we just snagged a really big guest. Should appear later this month. I don't want to say who it is. Keep it a surprise. But I also want to give other guests a, a a chance to shine on this show. Because I think part of the things I like about podcasting is you hear different stories from different people, not the usual guests that you hear all the time. of my big focuses here but for now have a great week and we will do this all again next time thanks for listening to the right on hollywood podcast part of the just the news network we'd love to hear from you about the show you can email christian at hollywoodintoto.com and please don't forget to rate and review us at apple podcasts five-star reviews make our day but just speak from the heart free speech matters more than ever